You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Money to be made in a place like this. Money never sleeps, pal. You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. I'm falling, and I can't get up! Help! All right, welcome to Money Never Sleeps, and the key phrase that's trending as we face the fiscal cliff uh, is special dividends. That's right. It started out with Walmart They're trying to front-run the tax increases that will inevitably be coming up uh, once 2013 rolls in. And that started the domino effect with companies such as Wynn Resorts following suit. This is just the beginning, I believe, and I expect a lot more uh, dividend-paying companies to do shareholders a service by issuing these special dividends before the uh, – the end of the year in lieu of uh, the dividends that may have been paid out in January, February, March, uh, because uh, obviously, you know, uh, things are going to change. Uh, now, sticking on the topic of taxes, um, well, come January 1st, 2013, by hook, by crook, by any which way you slice or dice it, uh, there will be a new 3.8% tax on some investment income, which will include some real estate transactions. And now, just to clarify this, uh, this will only directly impact those that have an adjustable gross income. I believe it's over uh, 250000 Uh But that's all in, including salaries, dividends, interest, uh, excluding munis, uh, net cap gains, so on and so forth. Uh, so it's important that everyone educates themselves on these new uh, tax laws and be in tune with what's going on with the fiscal cliff that we're facing because at the end of the day, don't care what anyone says, this will impact every person in the United States of all classes, you know, from uh, entitlements to tax increases, you know, uh, from little I Joe to damned if I know, a lot of things are going to happen. Everyone will be impacted bottom line. Now, with that said, I want you to join me and welcoming our guest for the first segment of Money Never Sleeps. And he is a uh, commercial real estate professional with a vast knowledge in the area that uh, will give us some insight on the potential impact that all of this will have on commercial real estate uh, throughout the United States. So join him, join me in welcoming welcome Lega- Michael Legazzo to the show. Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you, Lou. Thanks for having me on. No, thanks for coming on. I know it was last minute, and I do appreciate you taking time uh, to come on the show. Uh, Why don't you let our listeners know um, just a a little bit about your background before we start going into it? Certainly. I've got a background primarily in uh, retail real estate, overseeing shopping centers for uh, REITs like Westfield and Forest City. Uh, Most recently, I spent the last two years in receiverships working out uh, a lot of the non-performing or distressed assets that have uh, worked themselves out of the market for the most part. Now, Michael, let me ask you something. Since uh, you're primarily um, uh, focused on retail, um, you you know, shopping centers, retail, commercial real estate, now, have you seen a big change 
you know, as uh, President Obama you know, was elected and we're facing the fiscal cliff, have you seen a lot of things uh, change in, in that sector? Absolutely. With the anticipated $600 billion, or some estimates are as high as $718 billion in tax increases anticipated in just a few weeks in 2013, investors who were already risk-averse are looking for an attractive asset class. Uh, folks have looked to commercial real estate for a less volatile um, yield than, say, the stock market. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's primarily affected. Um, the high double-digit returns that you've seen over the past years are going to uh, diminish to uh, single-digit returns. Um, you'll see a significant share of return coming from yield rather than uh, appreciation, whereas in the past years you could almost anticipate appreciation of asset uh, value. Okay. But, uh, com- overall, commercial real estate is still a good uh, diversifier in a financial portfolio. You're just going to see slower building in terms mm-hmm. of uh, the yield and the value that those holdings generate. Okay. Well, I mean, look, over the past, I'm just going to, I'm not going to go far back. I'm going to say over the past four or five years, you know, it's been like a monopoly game. You know, people are shuffling, uh, they're buying here, selling there, doing this, and, and, and so on and so forth. And, and, and do you think that that, that part of it, all that uh, activity, is going to come down to a, to probably a drip? Possibly. I understand Possibly. that uh, raising capital gains tax, for example, will have a direct effect on investor behavior. This last quarter, you've seen, um, or as many many of you may have seen, an increase in disposition activity. Uh, a lot of private landlords, for example, wish to avoid the increase in capital gains and are um, selling off non-performing assets. You'll see uh, larger institutions like uh, Kimco Realty, for example, shedding a significant portion of their non-performing assets. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something, you know, I mean, I look at a company like Best Buy, and the reason I bring that up because you're you're in retail. Now, Best Buy, have, they own a lot of locations. They lease, but they own a lot of buildings. And as their business model actually has to, they have to change because they're not doing, <laughs> they're not doing that that great. Um, so they're going to have to restructure. So they as well will uh, will have some dispos- disposition action going on there to unload uh, their their when they shut down some stores, unloading their their assets they really don't need anymore. So I mean that that can actually have an impact, a negative impact as well. And if I'm wrong, please correct me. Lou, I agree with you. Uh, you've got that existing inventory in place, as well as slower building, both in retail and office development. Uh, what you're seeing is a, a diminishing availability, which is artificially driving up rates. So going back to your question about seeing that slow down to a trickle, I believe so. I think with the potential increase in unemployment, that's going to affect your office uh, leasing and sales. With lower household incomes, you're going to see uh, a trickle in the retail development, retail leasing and sales. Hopefully that answers your question. 
So, so do you do? So you think it's not just going to be the sales part of it? It's also going to be the leasing part of it that's going to start slowing down. I believe so. With uh, less development in the marketplace, there's less competition for tenants. Uh, competition is not being developed in the pipeline. So there's an urgency. The urgency that's driving any sort of positive absorption is it favors the landlord. Mm-hmm. And then I, I guess if you have um, you know commercial real estate owners, and at at some point, and over the past couple of years they've been uh, taking advantage of certain tax laws that were in place that allowed them to uh, to sell a property and buy a, a like type of property somewhere else and avoid that um, getting slapped with taxes. And that's something that's going to change too. Absolutely, which is why you're seeing a spike uh, in this last quarter. Right. So everyone's trying to front run before the end of the year, before they get uh, stuck and then come next year, you know, I, I guess that anyone that, that shuffles around at that point, and if they, they see a profit, then they can actually uh, get hit with a significant uh, uh, tax. Absolutely. That directly affects capital flows into the market as well as valuations affected by cap gains hikes, uh, meaning lower capital flows to real estate as an investment target make it less attractive. Um mm-hmm. Smaller capital flows also will impact valuations. But to add on to that, all capital is affected, not just real estate, but capital that funds stocks, um, other securities. But um, ultimately, we'll see what happens with fiscal cliff, and it it may be potentially good for real estate. Okay. Well, I mean, it it depends on what happens because, you know, uh, there has to be, you know, uh, they have to adjust entitlements. They have, to, they have to do something. Uh, taxes are going to be increased. There, there's no way around it because they're going to do it because uh, they need to generate the revenue uh, to, to fund the entitlements, which uh, is, is crazy. But uh, that's what they're doing. Now, with and, – and let me just get kind of go down a different road because I know come January uh, 2013, uh, that Mortgage Debt Relief Act, that's going to expire. And I know that impacts the residential market directly, you know, but, um, I mean, if people have less money to shuffle around, that affects the economy. That that can also affect, uh, you know, retail um, commercial real estate as well. Because if people don't have money to buy, then the, the retail uh, you know, market, they're not, they're not selling as much, and that comes down to real estate. I agree, especially with record low interest rates, like you said, with um, lenders, life insurance companies, and uh, obviously institutional investors who are stricter about um, leveraging, Mm -hmm. uh, despite the sort of balanced conditions of supply and demand, you're not seeing uh, the deal activities that you would anticipate, but... um, So that you know that basically this is going to wind up, you know, uh, hitting every every portion of the commercial real estate market. You know, I I initially I didn't really think that okay leases are going to be affected, but yeah, it kind of makes sense because if people don't have 
you know, the, the, the capital to, uh, to go lease these retail spaces, then you're going to have building owners that own, you know, just straight commercial uh, properties are going to start feeling the pinch. Absolutely. Um, anecdotally, I anticipate a mild recession, even a short and shallow one. Uh, mm-hmm. But you're going to see increases in vacancy rates, softening in rental rates. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, because I know, like, Walmart, yeah, I know they own a lot of real estate, but they also do land leases. You know, they'll they'll take a, a land lease and just build whatever they're going to build, uh, and I guess that, that gives them a tax write-off um, at the end of the year because they're leasing the property. Do you think that is a better route to go for a retail um a retail company? On the scale that Walmart um, engages in that transaction, yes. For corporately funded national brands or those of that class of merchants, possibly. Um, I know Sears has a similar strategy. However, for self-funded regional and local merchants, that may not be the case. Ultimately, if it improves sales, and the net effect is an increase in income, that's the right strategy for the merchant. But okay. in a short amount of time, I, I think that's that's how I would distill that. Okay. Well, let me get your opinion on this, Michael. Now, with this impacting retail, now, when, you know, we're talking about the Walmarts. We're talking about Sears. We're talking about big box retail. Now, let's go to the, the, the local guy that has uh, an 800-square-foot, storefront okay this is actually going to slap him right in the face would you agree with that yes and i know you um, may have intended to bring it up but with the affordable health care costs for that type of employer absolutely so much more so it's it's compounded yeah and and that's the thing that kind of like throws me off and, and i want to get your your opinion on um on what you know the impact on small business and I mean if if you had to to put together a scenario to help small business in an environment like this you know what 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 would you do what would you tell someone what kind of guidance would you give them for real estate investors Merchants or uh, uh, for for, for from for, for, for merchants that are looking to lease a uh, storefront, let's say, because you know, look, America is built on small business, so I'm I'm kind of looking at that uh, because I think that small business, small businesses like that, are gonna get slapped right in the face, and I and I really I, I'm hearing things all over the place. As far as what could happen, what can happen, all I know is that if all these things go into effect, that small merchant is going to uh, be facing some adversity. So just from your expertise and your, your background, I'm just curious on what what do you see, maybe what do you see them doing to um, uh, in, in a situation like this? Maybe, maybe it's an unfair question, but I'm just trying to pick your brain a little bit. No, no, I appreciate it, and uh, sorry for the delay. <clears throat> Excuse me, but um, it, it depends on the market. I think robust economic growth 
and demand for space will offset higher taxes. Um, that may not be the case for a lot of small business employers with uh, a large fixed payroll expense. Um, you're going to look at folks reconsidering how they staff up their small business. Obviously, full-time employees are going to cost more. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of leasing, you're going to see increase in medical costs, um, obviously, of the employees. Um, however, you're going to see a, a reaction from the commercial real estate market developing uh, greater healthcare space or you know increased healthcare space uh, with retail usage, meaning uh, medical clinics at storefronts. So the demand for limited availability um, will ultimately drive up some of the leasing costs. Mm -hmm. But in the most resilient markets, I think you'll see um, retail stabilizing enough to offset some of the uh, added costs for small business merchants. Okay. All right. That, that, that's fair enough. You know, now let, let me let me ask you. With um, you know, we've been speaking about retail. Now, what's your take on um, on office uh, buildings and and office leasing? Do you think we're going to see an increase in that, or do you think we're going to see uh, a pullback in that area as well? That's going to be partly influenced by unemployment benefits, job creation. Um, However, those tax increases affect uh, the employer's ability to create jobs. Uh, mm -hmm. That's going to determine just how much office space is absorbed in the market, um, how much office space is developed. Um, the old model used to be 200 square feet per employee, but now that the nature of work is changing and we're thinking of work as something you do and not someplace you go, and you're seeing the change both in private and government sectors, uh, mm -hmm. Folks are using mobile technology, um, office sharing, uh, very innovative solutions that we had not previously considered in office as a way of um, cutting costs, increasing efficiency. A lot of folks look to healthcare on their budget as one of the top three items, and it's an opportunity to, to cut costs. So if you can figure out a way to squeeze productivity out of smaller space, um, you're seen as an effective manager or an effective uh, overseer of whatever your your business is. So that would that would mean that you know um, you know a business that has office space they would have to get innovative in order to offset these uh, these ancillary costs that, they, that are going to be coming in uh, next year. And, I believe um, so. Yeah, and I think that's going to be interesting because if someone, let's say, a company. And they'll say they needed, let's just say, 5,000 square feet to run their office. If they get innovative, they can actually cut that down to probably 2,000 square feet or 2,500 2, square feet and still make it functional for their needs if they need to, and that's cutting costs. I agree. That used to be a dramatic yeah. uh, shift, but yeah. I'm seeing more and more functions or roles being outsourced uh, to independent contractors or freelance work. And like mm -hmm. you said, just a simple reduction in, in the occupied space. Yeah. And, you know, look, every market is different. 
You know, um, I mean, you're you're in California, so that market is different than the New York market. But at the end of the day, you know, this is what's going to be coming down the pike is going to impact every market, big or small. It's going to impact everything across the board. So um, the same, you know, adversity that someone may be facing in, uh, let's say, New York, they'll be facing the same thing in Florida or Tennessee or in California because you're talking about uh, federal federal uh, federal tax raises, and uh, it's going to really uh, it's, it's going to really have a major impact, in my opinion, on every everything that's going to happen in uh, commercial real estate. Um, like the, the the Trump moves, and again playing the monopoly game, uh, I don't think is going to be um, proficient anymore. But uh, depending on what happens, but I don't think it's going to be proficient as we roll into next year. I think you're right, Lou. Those are all uniform net effects across uh, all metro areas, and like you said, uh, most markets where uh, commercial real estate and, and this sort of activity is. Is significant. No. Okay. Now I want to shift topics uh, a little bit um, because I, you know, you're you're a commercial real estate professional, and you've been doing it for some time. And you, I mean, you've dealt with some. Uh, I think um, what the uh, Fortune 100 companies you've dealt with. Yes. Yeah. And during your career. Now I know that you, know, you have a lot of. Um, Companies out there, and they they actually bring on uh, commercial uh, real estate uh, professionals in order to you know, to train them, to groom them, the whole nine yards, you know. But you have you have again, uh, this is what I see anyway that you have a lot of people that aren't experienced. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the um, the education in that area. But they're out there um, working in that field. Do you think that that you know, be, forget about what's happening with fiscal cliff. This has to do with the business commercial real estate. Do you think that that has a negative impact on uh, on on commercial real estate within itself? Not having that, you know, people not having that uh, that education in that field to go out there and and work with uh, clients and either buying or selling or leasing or what, whatever they're they're doing in that uh, in that realm. Luckily, in, in the industry, the technology platforms are so commoditized that you're able to run the same analysis as folks who have spent years in the industry. You may not have the intuitive um, strategic way of looking at uh, you know, the academic lease provisions or the, the points on the contract, you know, the economic deal points in a contract, but luckily, uh, technology has, has flattened that terrain. Um, I think if you're financially focused, you could still develop a real estate strategy for your client, mm-hmm. um, treating commercial real estate as an investment vehicle, just as you would any financial instrument. But no, if, if folks are interested in getting into commercial real estate now, it's going to be tougher to um, sort out a deal. Obviously, the returns are um, affected by uh, the new tax laws, the uh, increased tax on capital gains and dividends. But no, as far as sales, leasing, um, it's still a production sort of function. Okay, so it's just a, it's a matter, it's a numbers game. That's what it comes down to. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, but as as everything changes here, 
Um, the reality is you have to be educated and and what's happening because if not, you're not doing your clients any service. Absolutely. If you're not adding to um, the analysis that your client is able to um, conduct with the applications available out on the market, mm-hmm. and if you're not um, building a stronger NOI, um, working out a more favorable deal, um, what what are they paying? What are they paying you for, essentially? No, exactly. And that, that, that's that. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. And that's where the experience comes in. Um, you'll see sophisticated uh, brokers and investors um, work out, you know, um, more mutually uh, agreeable terms on a contract. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes that makes a lot of sense because there, there are a lot of moving components, uh, and now these moving components are going to be more essential you know, going into the new realm that we're going to be going into. So, I mean, whether you're leasing, buying, selling, it's not going to matter if you're not educated in what you're doing. And I'm not even saying about going and getting a commercial real estate uh, certificate and hanging on your wall and that type of thing, but you have to have have some sort of education, at least self-educate yourself. Uh, and and what's happening because you're going to be helping your clients. Now, um, let me let me ask you this, Michael. Since I since I'm picking your brain this show, and I and I appreciate your patience. Um, I, you know, when when and then I mentioned earlier about the Mortgage Forgiveness uh, Debt Relief Act expiring. Now I I know that is going to, uh, and I said earlier, it's going to directly impact the people that, that own homes that are maybe, you know, they're, they're behind the able. They're, they're upside down, all around, the sideways. And the, uh, I mean, uh, a short sale allows them to get out of this situation and allows an investor or a first-time homeowner to come in and grab the home and take it off the market. Now, if that Mortgage Forgiveness Debt Relief Act expires, which it is, and they don't do something, they just let it go. Now, do you think that the people that were were going to sh- uh, be short sellers, you know, and that were behind the eight ball with their mortgage and they were going to be able to get out of it, you know, do you think that act expiring and them having to, that they will get taxed on, on whatever short sale they did, do you think that's going to um, kind of push people not to do that come next year? Possibly. For some folks, especially the middle class, where that's uh, one of the largest deductions on their annual um, tax returns, mm-hmm. they may not have an alternative. And that's why I think you're seeing record number of defaults. No, it, it, it's, it's sad because, I mean, something – I mean, they could do something, but at the same time, you know, I think that when everything came to a head, and you can, you may have a different opinion, but I think when everything came to a head, when we hit the financial crisis, they should have just let whatever was going to foreclose, foreclose, and let it go, and let us build up a little quicker, as opposed to this this long, drawn-out thing going over years, where now, you know, we're paying a, a deeper price. You're right. That's actually part of the mainstream rhetoric is 
and that applies, I think, both on the commercial and the residential sectors. Um, just let these uh, debtors default. Let the correction yeah. happen instead of protracting it out and uh, extending some of the costs. But the counterpoint to that is um, how much more damage would we incur were we to let that happen? So I, I don't know if uh, I'm not going to pretend to know uh, the absolute understanding of each side of that argument, but I think they're valid points to, to both. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we can analyze it, you know, from here to doomsday. It's not going to change it because the reality, it, it's already done, you know, and it's like the what ifs. What if this, what if that? Uh, at this point in the game, I think that anyone that, that is behind the able with their mortgage, when they, uh, when they, uh, when this mortgage debt relief act expires, I think that they're gonna they, they, any opportunity or any choice they had to get out of their situation is gonna be taken taken away from them, and they they may be just be facing foreclosure even though they have all these programs in place, you know, to to keep you in your home forever. Um, the reality is, you know, maybe um, I think maybe we're gonna have an increase in, in default. You know, based on what happened. Right. Yeah, and it's it's like uh, as I said, you know, it's everything. It's a domino effect all around. You know, and I bring that up. I know your your forte is commercial real estate, but you know, the residential this part of it actually impacts everything because you know if that should fall, then everything starts to follow suit. Um, and you know, we hope, I hope that. They uh, they take that into consideration because if people don't have money for their home, they don't have money to invest in the market. They don't have money to drive to go buy things, go to retail stores, and keep these those businesses in, in business by uh, by uh, patronizing their stores and going in there and and buying things. And they're they're able to, the merchants are able to pay their rent, and then that everything is everything's connected. We have one little web. And one pulling one string can kind of rip everything apart. You're right, and I'm stating the obvious, but um, even though commercial real estate is a, a distinct um, area from household income, uh, commercial real estate is a laggard in, um, in, the, in the economy, meaning how much uh, folks spend at retailers is directly affected by their household income. And people mm -hmm. need to have jobs for office uh, space to be developed and leased. People need to have discretionary income for uh, retailers to sign leases and mm -hmm. uh, show an increase in gross sales, and gross sales is what makes or breaks a shopping center. So mm -hmm. um, that I can speak to, but you're right. It's, it's very much interrelated, and um, the net effect is whatever happens to the the consumer, whatever happens to employers, job growth, household incomes, mm -hmm. has a, a direct effect on the commercial real estate market. Oh, well, let, let me ask you this, Michael. Um, just one, one last question. Now, okay. you know, I know that you, your focus is retail, all right, but do you see in, in the overall uh, realm of commercial real estate, do you, I know a, over the years a lot of foreign investment was coming into the United States and you know, there, you know, you had a lot of, you know, foreign investors coming in buying commercial real estate across the board, and, you know, in all markets. 
Now, do you do you know if that has slowed down, or or is that increasing as we're we're moving towards uh, the fiscal cliff? I'm seeing it increasing. Uh, Southern California may be unique in that way because there is a lot of diversity and there's a lot of access to the Pacific Rim investments, foreign capital, uh, wanting to acquire American or U.S. Um, assets. But mm-hmm. it's funny that you bring that up. A lot of the folks I work with are multilingual um, or bicultural at least, and um, you're seeing a lot of private investors with uh, foreign capital, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm not hearing a lot of discussion on that market. So it's interesting that you brought that up. But that activity has been stable the past 18 months, or you know, several quarters, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing increase in interest at least. Uh, how many deals mm-hmm. are, are going through? I don't have the data in front of me, but at least in Southern California, I can say that uh, that particular transaction is increasing. Okay, you know that that that's fair enough because I was curious about that. Only you know because you you look at the foreign investors; they've been sitting on the sidelines waiting to see what's going to happen. You know, but at the end of the day, if they you know they may be able to snag deals because if someone's looking to sell a commercial property, better to do it now than in January. Absolutely. Yeah, so you you will probably see more activity. Uh, as we uh, end the, we uh, round off this uh, quarter, uh, it's going to be interesting. Without a doubt, it's going to be interesting. All right, Michael, I, I thank you for coming on the show. Um, you know, I, I wanted you on here for your insight, and you did give that, and I, I appreciate that. Why don't you let our listeners know how they can uh, connect with you, how they can find out more about you? Because you know, they may want, they may have questions, they may want to do business with you, they may, you know, want to just uh, find out more about you. Absolutely. Lou, thank you for inviting me on the show, and thank you for um, letting me uh, participate in your discussion. Um, Lou and I connected um, through social media. Uh, You can interact directly with me at Michael underscore MBA. Uh, I'm a retail broker here in San Diego with Rosano Partners. Um, You can go to our website and contact me uh, through that that medium, but again, thank you, Lou, for the opportunity, and I really appreciate your time. My, Michael, you're more than welcome, and I do appreciate you coming on. Again, it was short notice, but it was definitely well worth it. You gave us a lot of insight into retail commercial real estate, but commercial real estate, actually real estate uh, within itself, because it's going to be an interesting time, and um, I want to have you, I want to actually bring you back on after uh, we, uh, after what happens uh, in January, uh, because you may have some additional um, um, input at that point, because a lot of things are going to change, and you know our listeners are definitely going to need that that help, that guidance. Uh, so hopefully you can help with that. I'd be happy to, especially after okay. January third. Uh, that would be an interesting discussion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we need to do that. Let, let, let's arrange it, Michael. Okay, but uh, you know, I thank you again for coming on the show, and I want our listeners just uh, hang tight. We're going to be back on Money Never Sleeps uh, after this short intermission. 
The Palestinian civilian death toll is mounting Monday after Israeli aircraft struck the Gaza Strip. At least four people were killed, 42 injured, up to 15 more are missing. The airstrikes are an attempt to crush militant rocket fire from Gaza that's been hitting Israeli civilians. President Obama is encouraging Myanmar to continue its transition to democracy. Let us remember that in a global economy, a country's greatest resource is its people. So by investing in you, this nation can open the door for far more prosperity because unlocking a nation's potential depends on empowering all its people, especially its young people. This nation that's been so isolated can show the world the power of a new beginning and demonstrate once again that the journey to democracy goes hand in hand with development. I say this knowing that there's still countless people in this country who do not enjoy the opportunities that many of you seated here do. There are tens of millions who have no electricity. There are prisoners of conscience who still await release. There are refugees and displaced peoples in camps where hope is still something that lies on the distant horizon. Today I say to you and I say to everybody that can hear my voice, that the United States of America is with you, including those who have been forgotten, those who are dispossessed, those who are ostracized, those who are poor. We carry your story in our heads and your hopes in our hearts. Hostess Brands will be in a New York bankruptcy courtroom to start the process of selling itself. Hostess is the maker of Wonder Bread, Ding Dongs, and Ho-Hos, and its Twinkies alone have brought in $68 million in revenue so far this year. Unfortunately, yes. It started as a reorganization and today moved to a liquidation because we simply could not uh, get enough workers to come off the picket lines to return to work and restore no, uh, normal operations. So the value of the company with no debt, with all of its debt wiped clean, which is basically what we're talking about when we're talking about you know, coming out of bankruptcy court, um, probably could be in the billion-dollar range. This time next year, you'll be able to go in and most likely be able to buy your Twinkies and your, you know, uh, other Hostess products. Butterball Turkey Talk Line, how can I help you? And when that phone rings and we say good morning, Butterball Turkey Talk Line, how can I help you? We don't know what we're going to get, but it's always a joy to answer those questions. It's because many people really feel like they've planned well and they've got everything down and all of a sudden, their stove breaks. You know, all kinds of things can happen. You know, you just name it. We could we could not have a list of every call that we get because it's just so such a wide variety, which makes it fun for us too. Funny call. Probably um, the gentleman wanted to thaw a turkey, and he wasn't sure exactly where to set the dial for thawing the turkey. And I said, the dial on what? I thought maybe he's going to try it in the oven. He had it wrapped around. He had it wrapped. He had wrapped around the turkey in an electric blanket, and he wanted to know how to, where to set the dial. I said, oh, my goodness, have, have you turned it on yet? No, he said he hasn't. So I said, take it out of the blanket, put it in a large sinker tub of cold water, and that 12-pound turkey will thaw in cold water in six hours. So we saved the day. He can cook the turkey, but he was in a hurry. Even now today we have Facebook and Twitter and Pinterest, and then you can go live chat uh, through the butterball.com. Even this year we have a Butterball app. So we are so contemporary. First mother-in-law, the mother-in-law coming over for the first time and she wants to do, you know, really impress 
her and she's scared to death of how to do it. And we've had them where they've been calling from the back room, you know, because trying to make sure that they're doing the right thing. So we're largely handholders for people who are maybe cooking their first turkey, and that could be at age 19 and they're away at college with friends who aren't going home for the holiday, or it could be somebody 79 years old who's cooking their first turkey. Sales activity was at an annual pace of 4.8 million, with a median home price of 187,000. That's up 9.5% from the same time last year. According to Freddie Mac, the national average rate on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage fell to 3.49%, a new historic low. All right, welcome back to Money Never Sleeps. And we had a great guest uh, in the last segment with uh, Michael Legazzo. Uh He gave us a lot of insight into commercial real estate, the retail commercial real estate, and uh, it was really interesting. We're going to have him back on after uh, January 3rd so we can uh, get uh, some more insight to what's going on in, in the world of commercial real estate, uh, especially with that 3.8% uh tax that's going to be happening and the capital gains tax and everything else that's going on uh, with this fiscal cliff. Now, let's get to some nitty-gritty insight on the fiscal cliff and the hedge fund industry, for that matter. Uh, so I want you to join me in welcoming back John Dennis of REO Capital. John, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Lou. I appreciate uh, you having me on again. And uh a lot of things have developed uh, since we spoke last, and uh, uh, we can we can dive right in and and uh, talk about uh, that whole mess. Well, I think that we need to dive right in because getting our toes wet at this point is not gonna is not gonna cut it. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, Lou. Uh, it was interesting because over the weekend, I had a meeting with another private equity firm based out of New York, and um, and some of the Interesting thoughts that came out of that meeting were a lot of a lot of people within the hedge fund industry and private equity industry, especially private equity, who are uh, right now uh, or have looked at uh, any part of uh, recapitalizing their companies or selling a part portion of their companies are looking a lot more serious at that uh, at that venture now before the tax increase occurs in January, as well as the capital gains that would occur as well. So taxes are weighing very heavily on uh, on many of the private equity firms and hedge funds out there uh, in the market today. Mm, yeah, I mean, I, I can see a lot of a lot of things happening like that, a lot of shifting. You know, when I mentioned in the in the segment earlier, uh, we were talking about commercial real estate, John, and how people are shifting. You know, anyone that that really that has a commercial property is better to sell it now than next year if they're looking to sell it, because they will get hit with that tax increase. We just don't know what it's going to be yet, but it's going to be there. Right, and and also the interesting thing that came up in the conversation was for the people that that do have their businesses and they do decide to sell a portion of that uh, uh, equity uh, to recapitalize, um, they're going to look at their workforce as well, and they're going to start looking at um, 
the the cost of health care. They're going to look at the at the cost of increased payroll taxes. Um, so these additional costs of running that business is also going to weigh heavily on on the industry, and and there's going to be some changes in. Um, in the employment uh, status of of many different companies as well. Hmm. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. You want to, This is what I found interesting. Uh, Warren Buffett. Uh, he was uh, on television. He was suggesting. He's been suggesting this for a little bit, uh, but he's su- suggesting more now than than ever uh, for the millionaire tax. Uh, suggesting that uh, if you make anywhere from one to ten million dollars, uh, you should be taxed at thirty percent. And above ten million, thirty-five percent. You know, um, I, like I know that a lot of high-end CEOs and officers, uh, you know, uh, directors, so on and so forth. You know, if they have, uh, let's say, like Warren Buffett, he owns a company. He he gets his income uh, taxed as capital gains, but that's also going to change for him as right. well. Right, right, right. Yeah. And, and the other thing that came up in the conversation as well is. Earnings. Uh, many corporations are looking at not being able to meet their uh, earnings uh, expectations, and subsequently, that uh, that lack of ability to to meet those projected earnings estimates are going to have an effect not just on the corporations themselves, but on the markets as well. Yeah, I mean that 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 I see for sure. You know, the thing that kills me, John, is that you know we have these entitlements. And they need to be adjusted. I, I keep hearing raising the taxes, raising the taxes. I don't hear anything about the entitlements being being adjusted in any way. I mean, do do you so see I, anything it, happening with that? The interesting thing is, we, no. As we spoke last week, um, the uh, uh, proposed amount of taxes versus uh, spending cuts was, uh, I believe, like a three to one ratio. Uh, three to one, uh, you know, being uh, higher taxes, one being spending cuts and um of course no one wants to uh uh to be the 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 bad cop and uh and propose uh, spending cuts but you're absolutely right entitlement programs um we may need to look at a at a voucher system with respect to uh, social security or with respect to medicare yeah well they they're going to have to do something because you can't Keep increasing taxes because you know. Look, uh, they were they were talking. You know, like Warren Buffett said, with raising taxes on the, the wealthiest one to two percent of Americans. Uh, but the reality is, you can raise that that tax to fifty, sixty, seventy percent. It's 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 not going to ha- make a dent on what's happening out there. If you keep spending, no, it, you know what are you, what, what right. are you doing? You know, <laughs> the spending has to stop. Right. Right, right. We we have to uh, to to make a uh, a balanced budget. You're right. You can't go on and spend as as much as you like, and and then just raise taxes to try to cover the that spending. Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this, John, uh, because your insight into the uh, private equity uh, sector is is pretty deep. Now, do you see more private equity uh, firms? Do you think they're going to start looking at riskier investments with higher returns because of what's happening? No, I think what what will happen is as as a lot of these companies are not meeting their their earnings projections, um, 
and and they're they're going to be looking at uh, cutting uh, uh, the work their workforce. Um, they're they're going to a lot of these guys are going to look for the golden parachutes, and and they're going to be looking at getting um, you know taking some offers. And and typically, <coughs> excuse me, what I've found is a lot of these guys have been uh, in the past holding out for um, for the most uh, advantageous offers um, from uh, whether it's from venture capital or private equity or whether it's, um, you know, from, um, from other types of uh, sources, hedge funds. And, and some of them have gone to the extent of taking much higher uh, payouts um, in, in even knowing that their companies are going to be broke up and, and sold in, in, at garage sale in bits and pieces, kind of like what Gordon Gecko was doing in Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Just breaking up the company, selling them off in pieces. But I think you're going to see more and more companies um, look at, at at those numbers and look at them obviously in a much different light because they're not going to be uh, hitting the type of numbers that earnings projections, etc., that they were hitting in in past. So they're they're going to unfortunately have to take a lower figure if they want to get out. And and that, you know, actually trickles down to the economy again because if you're taking a company and you're, you know, if someone's going to be a robber baron and they're going to take it and, you know, break it apart a la Golden Gecko and sell up the pieces to make a profit, you know, take the pension money, everything else, and, 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 and you know, you'll make money for the people that invested in taking over the company. However, you know, people are losing their jobs. Right. And, right, and that that, right. that impacts and, and, the economy. And this meeting that I had with a, uh, a private equity firm that, that said that the very thing that they even said to the to the CEO, "Aren't you concerned about your employees?" He says, "No, I build up the company, and I'm looking for a certain rate of return, and uh, I'm the firm that's going to give me the best rate of return on my company, and I don't consider the company." Hmm. And that means it's going to see more and more of that taking place. It's like a dog eats dog situation. Is you you have to you have to. It's like you have to get your you know as you mentioned your golden parachute because you can't save the world type of situation. Um, It's going to to be interesting, John. I think that and Bees is another company already that's looking at cutting their work front the news and talking about uh, health care and the cost of health care and, uh, and what, it, what it's going to mean as far as cutting hours, employees, uh, and, and the higher taxes. All of this is going to come at a time where the economy is fragile st- still. And mm-hmm. uh, as I before, uh, you know, two years ago, uh, President Obama mentioned that he didn't want to uh, look at uh, the um, uh, Bush tax cuts because the economy was too fragile. Repeal the tax cuts. They have the GDP back then was three percent. GDP today is one point six percent. So now we're looking at repeal tax cuts in an economy that is half the growth mm-hmm. of what two years ago. Yeah, and look, last time we spoke, John, you know, the uh, 
You know, I was going on the fiscal cliff was 42 days out. You know, now we're 35 days out, and nothing nothing has changed. You have, you know, Congress was, was out because of Turkey Day, you know, so – and we have Christmas right around the cor- right around the corner. Um, I don't know what what kind of magic they're, that they're going to make between now and then, but it better be uh, a serious Houdini act for sure. Yeah, what was interesting to me over this time as well was that um, uh, the amount that people spent online and in the stores uh, was greater this year. Old year took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the economy the way it is, uh, I'm just really, really surprised that um, uh, more weren't um, a little more with their spending at, 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 during the holiday period. Uh, well, I think that you know people um, they're looking at deals. You know, I mean, you, you watch television, you see someone selling a uh, let's say a 32 inch TV. That's normally three hundred and something dollars. They're selling it for a hundred bucks, and there's a run on it. And the stores are, you know, they're they're looking to to you know increase their, uh, I guess, increase their revenue that way. You know, not that they're making a hell of a profit on it, um, but I don't think people really, 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 really understand the uh, the magnitude of what we're facing because you know no. it's gonna hit it's gonna hit everyone dead in the face. I don't care what. What right. asset class you're? I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're 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 poverty stricken, middle class, you're rich. This is going to affect all classes. It it is, and, and people, you're right. Absolutely, they do not. And this is another discussion that we had over dinner during this, our conversations with uh, with private equity as well as as the economy. That people do not have any idea how much these higher taxes and how much this health care is going to cost everyone and how mm-hmm. much of an impact it's going to have on everyone's pocketbook. Yeah, and, and it will. You know, I mean, health care alone, you take a small business and they're forced to to do X, Y, Z. Now, all of a sudden, you know, their their revenue stream is being cut. Now, not only do they are they forced to pay for this, now their taxes go up, okay? And when they go over that $250,000 mark, all of a sudden their tax rate is going up. Everything is going up. How do they stay in business? Right. Well, they're going to they're gonna cut back on, on hiring. They're going to cut back on spending. It's going to impact GDP growth. It's going to impact unemployment numbers. It's going to impact the cost of fuel. All of that is going to be passed on to the consumer. Everything, and and for President Obama to say that that ninety seven percent of people making under two hundred fifty thousand dollars are not going to see uh, their taxes increased is a big, big illusion. That's the best word I can describe. Well, you say delusion, I say crock, because the, the reality is everyone <laughs> is going to get hit. Everyone's going to get hit. They have this two point eight percent. You know, a tax that's going to come into play. You know, you have the uh, the mortgage uh, debt relief act that's going to expire. You're going to have people that are upside down on their mortgage. All of a sudden, they can't do a short sale because if they do a short sale, they're going to get taxed on it. So now, all of a sudden, you're hitting all types of blockades. 
And if you lose your job, right. forget about it, you know. And still, you're still getting hit with the taxes, you know. And the spending doesn't stop. But meanwhile, they want to uh, they want to subside on the spending for military, which is another story within itself. <laughs> right, right, and and it and it just goes on and on, and 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 when when all of a sudden everything starts to compound, um, my my best guesstimate is that the American public is going to be fed up by by this time next year um, and they see that there's less in their paycheck uh, there's higher taxes on top of that to pay in the following years April uh, uh, 15th and um, and then on top of that they're, they're going to see that that their health care is not going to be covered by all the all the physicians. They're not mm-hmm. going to be able to go into every different doctor and every different hospital they want just because they think Obamacare is going to be there to bail them out. It is going to be uh, a rude awakening for many many Americans who feel that um, that they depend on on the government and and for also for the for the seniors who have paid into their their social security but have have really outlived the benefits that they've paid into mm-hmm. um and they're going to see higher taxes on their social security just as president clinton raised the taxes on social security income as when he was in his administration and and, and the thing that's funny about that is that everyone you know, once the new year rolls around, all these new uh, these new tax laws and and all this stuff goes into effect. Your Social Security, your pay your payout to Social Security is going to go up too. Right, right. But they're treating they're treating all that they're treating that as a separate problem to the uh, the fiscal cliff. But it's all part of the same thing. It is, and 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 yet to to have. Uh, the Obama administration put uh, uh, a com- a commercial out on the television depicting uh, uh, Congressman Paul Ryan of taking seniors and dumping them over a cliff as the solution to uh, Social Security outrageous. Yeah, you know, I I I don't see, and it's funny because I, you know, people. I mean, people with money, they're sitting there and they're they're cheering, rah rah rah, you know. But I, I don't even, I don't think anyone, you know, I don't think they're looking at what can happen later. They're looking at what can happen today. They're not looking at what's going to happen in six months and twelve months because they're 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 going to get hit as well. So I'm just I'm just reading in the news that uh that lawmakers are looking at roughly six hundred billion dollars in tax increases, not oh to mention God. spending cuts that will start to hit households and companies in early January. Well and and then you're gonna have uh, increase an increase in uh in uh when you go shopping. You're buying food. That's gonna cost more. And it's sure, just, food it's, will cost more, never... and inevitably so will, will uh, gas prices. Yeah, and it's a never-ending cycle 
of stuff, <laughs> you know. And and the thing is, is as I said earlier before, you know, thirty five days out, we we're no closer than we were two weeks ago. No, you no, know, no, just, no progress has been made on on those spending cuts. Um, you know, the only progress that I've heard in the news is that the GOP has now realized that they're 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 going to have to uh give in to uh tax increases where before they were adamant about no tax increases and tax just tax reform now they're willing to agree to tax reform and tax increases because mm-hmm. I think that they see that there's not going to be uh any other way out of that and and uh, there's going to be tax loopholes closing mm-hmm. And um, you know, all of that is going to go into place, but I've heard nothing on the side of spending cuts other than the fact that, that they're looking for spending cuts to total uh, $1.5 trillion over 10 years. And that, that's, the thing that, that's the thing that I find funny, John, that, you know, I mean, you know, Boehner, he's, you know, the GOP, they, they're bending to say, okay, we'll have tax reform, we'll – will will bend on increasing the taxes. I'm sure no one in this country would have a problem with having the taxes increased if spending was reduced. Okay, in the right way. Because if you your taxes are being increased, but meanwhile you're supporting someone that doesn't want to work or saw or all these these health programs and you know what what's the benefit? What are you getting out of it? What's what what's this country getting out of it beyond you know, coddling people, and I mean, I, I look at it as a parent. If you, if you're a parent and you have a child, if you coddle that child long enough, that child, that child's gonna be so dependent on you that he, that child will, will not be able to stand on its own. And in this country, aren't we, aren't we, uh, don't we promote, you know, growth, standing on your own two feet, and uh, facing adversity and getting through it, being strong. Right. And, and- and also, in addition to to the uh, spending cuts, you've heard nothing about the the uh, the Democrats coming up with any type of, uh, of agreement on any type of entitlement reform. Mm-hmm. That subject seems to be something that they don't want to uh, address. There again, no one wants to be the, the the party that they point the fingers at and say. Well, yeah, we you know we have to uh, reduce the amount of benefits, or we have to increase the the date, the the, the age of in which you start to uh, collect Social Security. All of these things, these issues with respect to these entitlement programs, welfare, uh, food stamps, all of that has to be addressed in addition to the spending cuts. And you can't just point the finger at the military and say. Well, they're building these type of $35 million jets, and therefore we'll just stop uh, production of these jets. That's 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 not, <laughs> that's not going to be enough. No, that, that's definitely that. That's the thing. They, it's it's like a head fake. It's like bringing attention to something like that, but you're kind of missing the whole point of you have a you have a ton of federal employees where you don't need as many as you have, but you hire them to show an increase in employment. So right. we, I don't know. It, it, it's like a it's like a little game 
that uh, has to be uh, addressed because you know the the um, I don't know. I think the fate of this nation, you know, is is there. It's 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 weighing. It's it's kind of like it's it's just on on a scale there, and uh, they need to really put their heads down and you know just suck in their pride. You know, all these politicians and get on the same page. Forget about your whatever political party you're with. Get, you know, it doesn't matter. It's about fixing the problem here. And then you can go back to arguing next year, but not now. Right. And the other thing that I, that I uh, we were discussing over uh, dinner over the weekend was, as as we mentioned last week, as as all of these factors start to come into play, and you start to see earnings numbers collapse, and 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 the stock market will inevitably tumble. We'll see the equity markets, and, and the bond markets are already paying out very minimally, but but the but the private equity sector, in, in, in talks that we were over dinner, we were looking at 30% returns on, on these private equity deals. Now, if the equity markets are going to tumble and the bond markets are already in the toilet and we're not seeing uh, people able to, to uh, find anything reasonably well to, to invest in, Inevitably, they're going to turn towards that private equity market, whereby they are going to see those twenty and thirty percent numbers uh, to invest in these deals. Right. Well, I mean, look, it's 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 crazy to me, John, where you have you know money flowing out of high, you know high yield bonds, you know high risk bonds, but then you have money flowing into munis which is which is funny and the market's going up it's like everyone's confused everyone's confused across the board as to what's going to happen it, it is there's going to be uh, a lot of confusion and and i in addition uh, as you know a lot of these seniors also uh, are going to be they're already de- they're dependent on their dividends um mm-hmm. as the equity markets start to tumble and earnings numbers are not met Inevitably, corporations could very well cut their dividend rates as well, therefore affecting the seniors who are dependent upon those mm-hmm. dividends uh, to to make their um, um, additional income that they've uh, uh, that they've been lacking. Well, and that's why you see a lot of companies now, like Walmart and uh, Wynn Resorts, they're actually uh, posting a special dividend before the end of the year. To try to, you know, Correct. they're trying to do a service to their shareholders, but at the end of the day, you know, these people that, as you said, you know, years ago, it was IBM, it was big companies where you had people that held it just for the dividends. Okay, right. and now, with what's happening, uh, I, I think that, you know, it, it's, I mean, the the value to them is going to be a lot less than it was than it is, you know, than it was in previous years because if you get hit with that crazy with a with a crazy uh capital gains tax, then what's the purpose? Right. Right. Exactly. You know, and if and, Congress yeah. continues to do nothing, it's inevitable that we will go over the financial cliff and as we as that happens, uh as we've been we've been discussing on the program, I I I really Hate to think of of the impact that it's going to have on this economy and the type of devastation 
that it's going, instead of us progressing forward, we will take three steps back for the for the one step that we've moved forward. And do you see us going into some type of recession? Double-dip recession, absolutely, absolutely. Okay. We're going to see, um, as the workforce is cut, we'll see unemployment numbers go up, we'll see uh, uh, companies going out of business, we'll see those tax increases. But, you know, if, if this financial cliff, we go over that and we continue to see that inevitably there's going to be companies that won't be able to be able to pay those additional taxes as well. They'll go out of business uh, as well, not just because of of um, uh, the financial markets, but but because of uh, the higher taxes and because of the healthcare impact it's going to be on their on their uh, their business and uh, and on their employees. And uh, so I see a um, uh, a domino effect here. President Obama was worried about uh, trickle down economics not working. Wait till he sees what the domino effect is going to do. Yeah, and then at the end of the day, the people that that pay the price are the consumers. Exactly. Because yeah, exactly. they want to pay more and, for and, everything. Uh, and, and this is why I think I was quite surprised that that people weren't more cautious this uh, this uh, holiday season with their spending. With January, you know, with 35 days right around the corner, I, I don't think the American public has any idea of the financial impact that's going to take place after January. Well, I mean, they, they, they're going to find out because we're all going to find out when everything happens, you know. And, look, we we had the Black Friday. They give names for every every type of sales thing trying to, you know, uh, market market it the right way to get people to come by. It's a marketing technique, Black Friday, okay. Now you have Cyber right. Monday, okay. Now I believe uh, beginning of December there's another thing. Then you have a free shipping day or something. You know, they're doing all this right. to market to get you to to buy and to buy products, which is, you know, it's a good marketing strategy. You can't blame them for doing that. But the more people spend, they think that the, uh, the gravy train is going to keep on coming. But when these companies start hurting, it's going to come down to the employees because they're going to start hurting as well. Well, there was there was a woman on the news in New York who owns a uh, Hallmark card shop, and she could not afford to pay Hallmark uh, uh, what she owed them, and they deferred her uh, her uh, normally her shipment was I guess a. Uh, a, a net 30 basis and they allow they extended her credit in order for her to restock her 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 boutique so that she would have goods to sell and then so, that puts it behind the eight ball a little further too right so if if she's one little piece of the puzzle that's already uh -huh. experiencing this type of impact on the holiday season, and she said she relies forty percent of her business is reliant on the holiday season. And so, that's we're we're in that season now, <laughs> right? So, so if if she's one person who's dependent upon 
uh, having credit or being allowed to be extended credit, when credit is so tight right now, um, I really hate to see what's going to happen as that credit tightens further. That's that's true because I mean you know Hallmark they extended it or that you know that credit on the items you know and I'm you know luckily for her that transpired you know but that's not going to be the luck of a lot of people that need that assistance that need that little bridge to get them over to the other side because you'll have a lot of business failing a lot of small businesses will fail if they have no access to uh, to um, to credit. Correct, correct, and and she was in tears, pleading with Hallmark to 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 extend her this credit, and not not every company is going to say yes and float you, and we can go ahead and finance you. Because oh, they they don't have the capability to do that. Even even if they did, they have their own company to run. Exactly, they've got their yeah. their own. Uh, uh, earnings numbers, earnings projections to meet, and and uh, not every company is going to be able to afford to extend that kindness to people who are are being impacted by this financial cliff. And but you know the killer, John, here is that you know, say you have a company like that that is that can extend credit to a uh, retail store. Now, what happens when that company can't do that? Now, they don't have any outlet to sell their items. So they're not making money, and no one's making money. The consumer, if they're not buying, you know, this, this effect, this goes up the chain a long way. Sure, sure. Um, and, and that's why I said in, in the previous programs that as, as things, as credit starts to tighten, as the equity markets start to tumble, as uh, consumers stop spending, People are going to have to look for other alternatives, and that's where I firmly uh, believe that, uh, as I've seen in already just uh, over recent uh, conversations um, with other private equity firms, that uh, they're looking at and they're talking um, already. Uh, one firm uh, for next year has got over 200 different companies in their pipeline that where they're looking for. Uh, either recapitalization or looking for a buyout um, for, for coming up for, uh, in 2013. I think you're going to see more and more of that occur, which is going to, for the, the silver lining in, in the black cloud, is going to be those companies have had, these, I mean, these small business owners have, have worked 20, 30 years to build up these companies and have made them profitable, and now they're going to have to liquidate these companies, and there's going to be a large garage sale. And in that mm-hmm. large garage sale, there's going to be a lot of profitability uh, for firms that are able to pick up these these deals at a, at a, at a bargain price and mm-hmm. be able to pass those on to people who do have the financial ability to invest and real benefits of 20, 30, 40 percent returns. And this is this is a this is, this is a classic. The only the strongs are going to survive in this deal 
you know, situation. And I, for for the purpose of our listeners, I want them to understand that the companies you're talking about, the 200-plus companies that were uh, approaching the uh, or he has in the pipeline that one private equity group, you know, these are these are going concerns. They're not startup situations. So you have a lot of companies that are actually, you know, going to be hitting, um, uh, I guess, a brick wall with, you know, the, the top, the top, the top people are going to have to make a decision. Do we look out for ourselves, or do we try to try to save all the employees and, and the company, and so on and so forth? So it becomes a right. uh, decision, you know, with what we right. have, uh, what we have going on in the very extremely near future. And that, that, right. that's very right. that's very interesting. And these, yeah. these are, by the way, these are middle market companies that are uh, these are not late stage companies that are that are already in their maturity levels these are middle of the road companies that are are on their way to building up their financial uh nest egg and uh mm-hmm. these are companies that are are in the in their prime of doing business and that are going to be stopped short of that of that goal uh, because mm-hmm. you're right, they've got to make a decision. Do I go ahead and continue uh, and try to stick it out past this financial cliff and hope for the best, or do I take my money and run now? Mm. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting um, thing. Thing it's going to be an interesting situation as things develop without a doubt. Uh, John, big question for you now. You know, for the purpose of our listeners, you know, when you're dealing with private equity. Um, obviously, you have to be an accredited investor to be involved in a, uh, a hedge fund or a private equity situation. But just right. to exp- explain to our listeners how that works, if let's say if they were that, they were accredited, an accredited investor, and they were to invest in a uh, in a private equity firm. You know, what, what's what's the uh, the hold period on that? Would they have to hold you know twelve months, twenty four months? Uh, how, how does that work? Well, that's a, that's a great question, uh, Lou, because for your listeners, um, they, they, for those who are even not accredited investors, if, if they've got an account at a registered investment advisory firm, which is the type of firm that typically charges a, uh, a fee for managing their assets, typically they're, they're, they're over $100,000 or more, uh, sometimes their their minimums are a million or more, but but for people who invest with with these registered investment advisors, they typically allocate anywhere from five to twenty percent uh, allocation in alternative investments, being hedge funds, private equity funds, and so so your listeners who are are uh may typically have an account at a Merrill Lynch or or Edward Jones can now look at a registered investment advisory firm in their local area and uh and be able to instead of being charged a commission they're charged a flat fee based on the amount of assets that they have under management and mm-hmm. the this way the registered investment advisory firm they get a pay increase if they do a good job for their investors and if they don't do a good job and the markets tumble and they're heavily weighted in the wrong sector they get a pay cut so uh but for those who are accredited investors and those who 
do have a net worth excluding real estate of a million or more and incomes of $200,000 or above, then they can participate in uh, these private equity funds. And, um, and, and this particular uh, company that I was in discussions with um, typically worked on uh, one type of deal at a time. However, um, what, what my firm is trying to do is to get them to look at a different avenue, to take um, multiple different companies and wrap them inside of a private equity fund and, and allow, whether it be the registered investment advisory firm who has discretionary control over individual client assets or is the accredited investor who's going to put uh, a um, minimum, usually, are a million dollars. Most of the time, it's $5 million investments. Um, but the lockup period is typically five years. Um, mm -hmm. So... These type of uh, these type of investments are not short-term investments, and uh, usually they either uh, end up with uh, just a restructuring of the company, or if it's a late-stage private equity investment, it's going to be an exit strategy of an IPO or some mm -hmm. other type of of exit strategy. Um, but there is, um, but there's also a uh, a silver, a silver lining in that cloud as well, even though that lockup period may be five years, this particular company that I'm in discussions with is looking at providing a uh, part of it in, in debt, part of it in equity. So they're going to mm -hmm. pay out a 10% coupon on the debt side, and they're going to pay out a 30% investment or, or, and uh, IRR, on the equity side. So mm -hmm. if you're involved in a five-year lockup and you're getting some some liquidity through the debt side and getting a 10% coupon on your investment, there's really no need to look at or be, or be worried about uh, um, tying up your assets or a portion of your assets for five years. But, because I, so I don't know too you, many people that would be disappointed about getting a 10% coupon and and getting a 30% return on their on their investment. No, not not at all. You know, especially now, as I said earlier, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people they're confused, so they're they're kind of slipping out of high yield, um, you know, high risk, uh, you know, I mean, junk bonds, and they're slipping into munis. Which uh, which is confusing in in this in this market because you're leaving some, one thing to go to another thing that may pull back come January. So it's just interesting. Now, when um, when someone invests in a uh, private equity, okay, and the lockup is five years. Now, what what's, what are the tax consequences for them? You know, let's say if this someone was to make an investment in a private equity firm today, okay, would that money that they invested in that private equity firm, would they have a tax consequence going into next year or the year after that? Um, they'll, they'll have a, um, a portion of that investment exposed to capital gains taxes because as each year goes by and they are getting uh, that 20 
percent return on on their investment every year, then yes, there will be capital gains issues involved in on an annual basis that they will be okay. subject to. Obviously, right. though, if if your capital gains is at, uh, I mean, if your if your uh, investment rate of return is at thirty percent, and your capital gains is still at at twenty percent, you know, there is uh, you're you're in the black uh, still with your uh, your investment. Not to mention, you're getting that ten percent coupon. Right, right, right. But that that's if. The capital gains rate is going to be at twenty percent. We don't know where it's going to be. <laughs> that, that's right. That, that's right. You know, we don't. But um, but you're, but obviously, this is another justifiable reason for people turning to private equity as well. Because if capital gains does go up to twenty five percent, then people are really going to be forced to look at other alternatives to to make a positive rate of return on their investments because capital gains is going to eat them up. And let me ask you this, with with uh, private equity within itself, without a coupon or without the annual, um, you know, payout. Now, if someone, I mean, I know there are private equity firms out there that have you locked up for this amount of time, and if they are giving you X amount of percentage per year that you're uh, – uh, that you're making on your money, you know, uh, if you reinvest that, are you getting taxed on that as well, or is that deferred? Well, it, no. If you're if you're going to reinvest that back into the fund, um, it, that would defer uh, most taxes. I, I'm, I'm there again. I'm not a CPA, and I don't protest to to be an expert at taxes, but but I, I, I'm quite certain that. Um, uh, you're not going to escape um, all the uh, the tax aspects of uh, of investing, whether it be in private equity or or no, no private equity. I mean, even if you reinvest, there's there's going to be some some tax exposure. I I would I would mm-hmm. be assumed. Right. Uh, I'm thinking it's probably better to, if you have if you are looking to put your money somewhere and and get and have a profit put into a private equity let it sit there for the next few years until the next administration comes in and maybe you'll be better off <laughs> right right that that 5 year lockup might be a very good thing uh, with respect to deferring your uh, investments be- because by the time you end up uh coming out of that deal uh at a 30% rate of return uh, you're going to be in the black, not to mention you'll be in the next administration. Exactly, and hopefully things will change from there. Well, that, that, that's really interesting, John. Now, um, that private equity uh, deal that you were just talking about before, um, is that something uh, that you're working with directly? Right. right. This is a, a company that um, uh, works in New York that is um, uh, exposed to um a lot of different companies that are 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 really looking to uh to to either um take that golden parachute or just outright close the doors and they're looking for the 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 best price on their companies and um and these guys get uh they have a very high level of exposure in uh, in management that um has access to uh, 
um, a lot of these uh, different companies, and they're able to uh, put these deals together, and they've passed on many different deals um, prior. Uh, but as we were talking over dinner, they said as as this economy continues to falter, they're going to have a little more wiggle room in those deals to be able to, whereas before they may have passed on 100 deals to get to the 70 best deals, but now they're not going to have to pass on 100 of those deals because you're going to see more profitability for people wanting just to, to run for the exit doors and get out before uh, things get too bad and they're willing to take less for mm-hmm. their companies. So, you, you, I mean, all, all this is going to wind up doing as well as opening up opportunities for another area of the market. And I think so. that's, I, I, yeah. I, I think, right. I, I think it'll gonna... open up a, a lot more for people who are really looking for some above average returns uh, with, with very, um, uh, high, very talented uh, people who are in the finance field who are able to evaluate those risks and evaluate uh, those financial models and really come up with some some extremely attractive returns uh, for people looking for things that they would n- otherwise have never been exposed to in the past and now will be able to be exposed to a um, a much uh, higher variety of different deals. Oh, that that's that's it's going to be an interesting run for sure. Um, but as we're winding down, I want our listeners to know that if you want to get uh, John Dennis's, um input, you want to find out more about what he's talking about, uh, go to ariacapitalllc.com. REOCapitalLLC.com. Find out more about what's going on because, you know, come uh, January, you know, the playing field is going to change. And, again, you're going to have garage sales after garage sales. And I'm not talking about uh, your residential. I'm talking about in the business world. Right. Uh, and, and it's going to be right. a really interesting run. But, uh, John, uh, I want to thank you again for your input on the show and everything. It's always welcome. Um, I'm glad that uh, you're going you're gonna to be a regular on the show because we continue to uh, talk about uh, everything that's going on with the fiscal cliff and what we're going to be facing in January. So uh, I look forward to having you on uh, on the next episode. Thank you, Lou. Thank you very much. And, and as things develop, I will do my best to uh, keep you and your listeners uh, apprised of of how it's going to impact them and and, uh, and and how they at the same time can benefit from uh, from that information. Yeah, well, I think your your input is definitely uh, going to benefit them, and I do appreciate it, John. And we'll have you on uh, on the next show. Thanks, Lou, and, and um, uh, look forward to it. And I appreciate b- uh, being a regular on your show. Excellent. Thank you so much, John. Take care. You're listening to UCW Radio. In your face. What we got here is a failure to communicate. Oh, have I got your attention now? For lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Money to debate a place like this. Money never sleeps.
You're crazy. You know what it takes to sell real estate? It takes brass, 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 brass. 